0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Speaking Him Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Gamison, and I'm very excited to be with you today, as always. And I hope that you had a wonderful week. Um, I had a challenging week, but God uh, has been good through it all. Um, I will get into that in a moment, but first of all, I just wanted to start out with a couple of things. Um, today's podcast main topic is Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so we're going to talk about light in the scriptures and our responsible our responsibilities uh, to learn from the light of the world to become the light of the world ourselves and to continue to shine bright even as the world around us uh, gets darker. So we will jump into that uh, very soon. But first of all, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about what ...is going on. Alright, so as I said, it's been a challenging week on uh, Wednesday. Um, I woke up and went to get in the shower as a normal day and get ready to go to work. And when my brother was putting me back into my chair... Um. Um before he dressed me, he said, your chair seems to have more give than it's supposed to. Like, when I put you in the chair, it's not supposed to move that much, is it? And at first I thought, well, I know it has more give than past chairs have had because of the uh, the things that it's supposed to do, so I didn't think much of it. Um, and I went to work, and I... I got to work and I realized, yeah, it is a little um, more wobbly than I was expecting, but still was kind of hoping to hold out and just see how things went, and maybe I'll get it taken care of in a week or so. I went to go into the potter's house, just a level, flat surface, and just went up the little bump uh, to get into work and realized that I scared myself uh, because it was as if I'd gone... um, up a steep incline and uh, it was felt like it was propelling my chair backwards and that it was not normal. So I contacted my local wheelchair wheelchair repair shop and got an emergency appointment and it turns out that the struts on my wheelchair um, were snapped and so they didn't want me to leave with the chair in that shape. I respect that because I wouldn't have left with the chair that way anyway. But that's what they said to me. And so uh, they gave me a rental chair. And um, I'm blessed that that I have it. Uh, But it's been really difficult um, to adjust to. And I'm still not at a comfort level with it to really um, be confident to be out and about. So if you could continue to pray... That And also pray that the part uh, will come in to uh, replace um, on my chair and so that I can get back to full strength uh, in my electric chair and and zooming around the halls of the Potter's House High School where my heart is and where I want to be uh, more than anything uh, right now. Um, But I also have felt God saying uh, once again, Uh, Be still and know that I am God, which is kind of a theme, I think, of this year with everything having to do with the pandemic and things of that nature. So I think it's a lesson that I still need to learn, and I hope that I am learning it. I I will say um, that, uh, you know, God says that he gives us peace that passes all understanding. And earlier today, I kind of had a mini panic attack about the chair and some of the challenges therewith, and I just felt really overwhelmed, and I just prayed and cried out to God and said, God, I need your peace, I need you, um, because I can't handle this myself. And he showed up, and I'm still not you know, 100% overjoyed about the circumstance, but I'm feeling a lot more peace within the circumstance than I was a few hours ago. So I'm very thankful for that eventuality and of course thankful for my family who is helping me so much um, as they always do to try to navigate this uh, difficult challenge uh, that I find myself in. I'm very excited uh, about uh, the future of the podcast as I said um, getting ready hopefully very soon to share with you the Pilgrim's Progress Project. And I also have another announcement that on Monday, September 14th, I will be interviewing Jason Romano, who is a former uh, executive producer of some shows on ESPN radio. I think he spent about uh, a little over a decade, close to 13 years, or maybe a little more than that, uh, with ESPN, and then stepped away to become the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast and to work with that wonderful Company and be able to be a be a force at the intersection of faith and sports um, for Sports Spectrum, and I really enjoy that show. And so I'm extremely excited to have Jason on the show, and he's been very uh, communicative. You know, I, I really love to do interviews, and I love to reach out to people and to have the opportunity to interview people that I admire and that are going forward for the Lord Jesus. And sometimes when you reach out to someone, you expect, well, maybe I will hear from someone that works for them, and uh, but the odds of actually getting a personal response aren't that great. Um, but he and I have already exchanged a couple of emails, um, arranging scheduling and, and, and the like. So I'm, I'm very uh, positive about that whole thing and excited for what God has planned for that interview and incidentally if you know of anyone who has a story of faith and life that would encourage us on this road that we call the Christian journey I want to tell those stories I want to be able to be a voice uh, for those who need encouragement at, you know as I did a few hours ago you know we all have our bad days we all have our valleys And I just appreciate the way that other people have rallied around me during this valley. And my hope is that um, I will be able to rally around you and others like you in your valleys and see God answer some major prayers for you. So as I said, um, as we move into our uh, main segment, we're going to talk about Jesus as the light of the world. Um, You know, there's a great contrast in life of light and darkness. Um, One of the things that we're in right now is the Eastern Daylight um, Time period. The uh, Eastern Daylight Time is upon us right now. And in the next few weeks, um, well, actually a few months now, uh, because it was extended about 10, 15 years ago, but in November we will go to Eastern Standard Time. And we will lose an hour of uh, daylight uh, in the evening, but we will gain an hour of sleep, which a lot of people um, get excited about. But, you know, since we lose the hour later, uh, we don't really gain anything overall. We're just kind of playing with the time. And people have gone back and forth as to whether we should keep doing it or whether we should uh, abolish it. You know, I saw a meme going past that with all this pandemic stuff, this would be a great time to rip the Band-Aid off and just uh, get rid of Eastern Daylight Time. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, if it gains any traction. But all that to say that um, we are dealing with a situation where um, in our culture we see light and darkness. And we we see those two things working together. Um, And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to start out uh, with our quote of the day. And our quote of the day uh, comes from uh, John 8.12. And in John 8.12, Jesus says this, Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And so um, we have a choice. We can either walk in darkness or we can have the light of life, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that light and how uh, it can benefit us and, and how we have the blessing of it in our lives or we can have that blessing. And the first one is that God's word is a light unto us. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. And I really like this verse. Um, I grew up singing a, a really popular song called Thy Word, um, which basically uh, t- is that verse and song. And uh, it just it was an encouragement to me growing up, and it really is an encouragement to think about it today as I'm going through these challenges that I find myself in. And I really want to encourage you. That if you need light in your life. Spending time in the word of God. Is the best way to find it. Uh, this this morning I spent time in the word of God. And I was just like you know God is here. God is present. God is active. His word is still relevant. With everything uh, that I'm going through. And it's so encouraging to know that whatever I'm going through, it doesn't uh, pass his notice. You know, this whole wheelchair thing that I mentioned earlier, um, I'm very frustrated by it, and I, I hope that there's a quick resolve, um, but I, I it does not seem at this point like it's going to be quickly resolved, but I have to know that God has a plan and that he knows all and that he's not just leaving me in a lurch. And so um, we need to... Uh, seek the light of God's word, and a good, I think, a good supplemental verse to this is in also in Psalm one nineteen, um, verse nine, where it says, "How shall a young man cleanse his way uh, by taking heed according to his word?" And I think the significance of that is that the only way to live a righteous life is to know and practice the word of God, uh, because uh, you know. We as Christians can be just as guilty uh, of living unrighteous lives when we try to live life in our own power. When we try to say, "I think I have uh, this all figured out," you know, everything's going along swimmingly. Um, God is good, and 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 everything is is such a blessing right now. And then something bad happens, and we have to realize that God is still at work. God is still blessing. God knows whereof he speaks. And so I just want to use that as an encouragement for you. The next point I want to talk about is men love darkness rather than light. And it says in John three verse nineteen, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Um and again that's John three verse 19, and this is a key thing, I think, because as I was saying, we're talking about the contrast between light and dark, and if you've ever lit, lit a candle or turned on a flashlight in a dark room, you realize how quickly the darkness can be dispelled um, but we but if um, if we're evil, we are exposed by the light, that's part of the light of the world's Idea, You know, there were a lot of people that thought they were pretty good, but then Jesus said, no, you're blind. You're like the blind leading the blind. And that's basically why Jesus was killed. I think it's kind of funny in our modern understanding of theology, we often say, well, God is love. So we should just be all about love and no judgment because God is love. But actually Jesus was killed because yes, he is love, but he also is judgment. He brought judgment to people that thought they were okay. These people prided themselves on following the law. They were the religious leaders. They were the, the political leaders of the day, all rolled into one, and they thought that they did everything right. They spent uh, years and years studying the scriptures. I'm sure they memorized large portions of the Old Testament, and yet they missed the very incarnate bodily Christ when he stood in their midst. And actually not only did they miss who he was, they hated who he said he was. And that's why I often think about the fact that that I believe that there were religious leaders that gave intellectual assent to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if they if they did not, they would never have paid the guards to say that they that they lost or that that they allowed the apostles to take the body of Christ. There would not have been a reason for money to change hands if they didn't really realize and believe that something significant happened. Um, If if they actually um, believed it it was as they said, uh, they wouldn't have had to give them the story. But they wanted to make sure that the... Um, stories of the resurrection were curtailed. You know, if you notice in scripture, they never out and out deny the resurrection. They never say Jesus is still dead. They never say that. They just say, don't preach in his name. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And if Jesus is alive, they have a responsibility to live for him and to change their ways and to realize that a a physical... Um, A physical uh, belief in the law and a physical, uh, what what do I want to say? A a physical uh, partaking in the law and doing what the law says is not enough. Because Jesus came on the scene and he said, uh, yes, you should do the right thing. But also, your thoughts count. Also, you can do the right thing on the outside. You can... Be a be a whitewashed tomb, because you can be whitewashed on the outside, but inwardly you can be full of dead bones. So we need to realize that men love darkness rather than light, and that is why there's such a pull away from the things of God. Um, and and that is why when uh, people on the political level try to stand for righteousness. They are called bigots. People are encouraged to be violent against them um, because it's not a popular mindset. And Jesus predicted that because he said, uh, people will hate you because they hated me first. Um, And I think that is significant because as we go through this life, we need to realize that nothing that is happening is uh, a surprise to God or is escaping his knowledge or notice. All right. The next one is we are the light of the world. Um, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Matthew 5.14. So we started out today saying where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And and what Jesus is imparting upon us as his followers is I'm gonna to go to heaven and and be about my father's business, preparing mansions for you, and then you are going to be my ambassadors um, and share me with the world um, i like I like the analogy that says we are to be like the moon because our job is not to uh, bring glory to ourselves our job is to reflect the sun, and so that is a worthwhile goal, that is a needed goal, and I hope that you uh, will embrace that. Um, The next one is, our light will cause others to glorify Him. I think this is a key thing, uh, because I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea that maybe we live in a bubble, maybe the things that we do are just incidental, we decide to do certain things for ourselves, um, and what we do has little to no bearing on other people, but that's not what God says. He says this, uh, Jesus said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that's Matthew 5.16. And I think this is why all through the scriptures, God will take people that are like the least likely person to be able to do something. And then he does things through them and then he gets the glory, uh, because there's no other explanation. If you were uh, picking the mother of the Son of God, would you pick a poor peasant girl, or would you pick someone that has royal robes? Uh, If you were picking someone to lead your people against the Midianites, would you pick um, uh, Gideon, who was the least of the least of the least tribe? Or would you... um, and Anne was hiding in a wine press incidentally from the very many that he was supposed to go against, or would you pick somebody, um, that is strong and capable and, and shows no fear. Um, you, you'd probably pick the latter, but we see over and over again how God does this. Another instance is with David when he is picked to be king. Uh, Samuel comes to anoint a king. He does a, does a banquet and, and he's there to anoint the king. And David doesn't even get called to uh, the anointing of the new king because his dad, it doesn't even factor in his dad's radar um, to, sit, to even invite David to this. And then Samuel gets all the way through all of the sons of Jesse, who he thinks are all the sons, and God still says no. So then Samuel basically says, are these all your sons? Because I was told that one of your sons would be king. And Jesse says, well, I do have one other son. His name's David. He's out um, tending the sheep. And you kind of get the impression through that story that David tending the sheep is one of those lesser uh, appreciated tasks that kind of probably got passed down the line of the brothers and so he, here he is, this shepherd, and and he didn't even get called to the uh, anointing. And lo and behold, Samuel says, well, we're not going to eat our banquet till he comes. And then he shows up, and uh, God says, this is the one uh, that I have chosen who will do all my will. And it just is an amazing testament uh, to the way that God does and and the way way that God does things and the fact that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Because, again, we definitely would not choose that. And then the final um, part is one thing that I really have been convicted about. And really, this is always one of the impetuses for the Speaking for Him podcast. And that is, as darkness continues, shine bright. I think the tendency for us and and I and I really see this kind of in in Christians response to the political arena and and I do my best not to make this a political podcast. Um I did a political podcast um for several weeks a few years back. I got burned out on it. There are more important things to to do than politics. So I but I bring it in here when I need um, when I feel that something needs to be talked about. And so as I'm framing this, please understand that the, important, the most important thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if I could explain and unpack this a little bit. First, let's look at the verse. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights to the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may not have run in vain nor labored in vain. And that's Philippians 2.14-16. to 16. And I see in this two ways, two specific ways, and there's probably more ways. We could maybe even do a whole podcast episode on this. Two specific ways that Christians fail to do this often in our culture. Uh, The first one is that we adapt the mindset of the world when it comes to dealing with the social issues uh, that we are faced with because we don't want the world to think that we hate them and we want to be affirming to them so we become affirming of their sin. I see this in the areas specifically of um, the pro-life, pro-choice arguments and also Um, the sanctity of marriage and how God made marriage for one man, one woman, for a lifetime. In both these cases, uh, we have a Christian um, worldview that is creeping in, or has crept, I should say, uh, that says, I can't say anything against either of these practices, abortion or homosexuality. The reality is that God has clearly delineated how he feels about each of these issues. And we need to be able to to graciously explain the biblical worldview. God said that all children are precious. He said, let the little children come to me. Um, When the disciples wanted to push them away, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And so we need to espouse that belief. And see, here's the thing. You may look at the pro-life issue and you may say, well, it's a political issue. I don't need to be involved in politics. But we have the unique opportunity here in the United States of America to have a say in our politics, to have a say in our public policy. And so when we say that all life is sacred, when we say that we want to fight for the rights of every unborn child, then people say, well, why is that important to you? And then we can point to the fact that God created us that we were that we that man that God breathed into the nostrils of man the very breath of life and that and that that is why we are pro-life. The same goes for the marriage issue. God said that marriage is between one man, one woman, for a lifetime. Jesus said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother to be joined unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, what God hath brought together, let no man separate. That is what God has said through marriage. God said that in Genesis chapter 2, and Jesus quoted it in Matthew. That is God's definition of marriage. And we cannot be afraid to stand in the gap and say, this is what God wants us to espouse. We need to shine brightly. We're living in a crooked and a perverse generation, one that has forgot God. I think it's significant. I like to listen to the Michael Knowles a podcast, and um, he's a conservative commentator who works for the Daily Wire, and he said something very significant. I think he's mentioned it a couple times, but I remember specifically one time he said this. He said, It's interesting that Martin Luther King Jr., used to say and said in his famous speech that he wanted his children to be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he said, by and large, in American society today, we cannot use the content of one's character as a barometer for who they are because we do not have a fixed standard for what character means. That blew me away to think about. If you don't have a fixed standard for what character means, you can't judge someone on the basis of their character. If truth is relative and you have your truth and I have my truth, truth means nothing. Truth only means something because it is a definitive article. That's an important thing. So that is one side of the issue. The other side of the issue is there are well-meaning, moral Christians who say, I don't need to get involved in society. I don't need to vote. I don't need to make my voice known on these issues because God will work it out. I'll pray about it, but I don't need to make my voice heard. The The example that I often go back to when people say something like that is, imagine if if God told Moses, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt I will deliver the children of um, Israel out of Egypt by your hand and Moses response was I'll pray for the children of Israel to be delivered from Egypt but I'm not going to go now it's quite possible that God would choose someone for the task to do it I think that if God's will is going to be done so if we choose not to do the tasks that God has afforded us he will do his will through another means because his will will ultimately be fulfilled but God didn't let Moses off easy God didn't let Moses just say I'm not going to do that I will pray for it to happen but I'm not going to do anything he required action yes Moses needed to have a regular relationship with them where they were talking about things, where they were um, getting things um, set and square. Um, Moses was in frequent communication with God about this. But ultimately, God said, Moses, you need to go. And I will be with you, and I will tell you what to say. That is the ultimate reality that we have today too. There are times when we need to continue to pray. Paul said, pray without ceasing. But we also need to back up our prayers by action. And yes, I do believe the world is waxing worse and worse. But sometimes, on a national level, I believe that we as Christians can be guilty of contributing to its downfall by not speaking out for the things that are important to the heart of God. I truly believe that if Christians would take it upon themselves to uh, learn the issues that the our elected officials are running on and study these issues and then vote according to biblical principles, we would see wonderful change in America. Does that mean that the world itself is not still waxing worse and worse? No, it doesn't. The Bible says that it will happen, that it is happening, that it's right according to God's plan. But we also have a responsibility to um, speak out for truth. Because our responsibility is to speak out for truth, not to bring it to pass. God's responsibility is to bring the good things to pass. Our responsibility is to do what he asks us to do and leave the results to him. Because Sometimes the results aren't going to be what we want them to be, but we still need to do what he's asking us to do. So, my encouragement to you is to shine brightly in this generation. I think we need to be uh, Christians that put Jesus first, but are actively engaging in our culture. And when people say, well, I would like this, or, or I think this is a good belief, we can look at the Bible and say, hey, the Bible says this, and you profess as a Christian to follow the Bible, so what does that mean? And those can be tough, tough conversations to have, but that is how we shine brightly in this crooked and perverse generation. And there's so much of dim lights going on in the Christian faith today. There's a lot of people claiming the name of Christ who are not espousing Christian principles. So if I could encourage you in one thing today, it would be to continue shining brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ and to allow Him to direct you and guide you in what you will do. Pray without ceasing, yes, but also be willing to take action when necessary. It's been really good to be with you today. I hope that you will continue to pray for me about my wheelchair situation. Um, I've received a lot of encouragement already on Facebook, and it is much appreciated as I navigate these waters. Um, And I hope that you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. It's hard to believe that September is here and that we are going to be plunging full tilt into autumn in just a couple of weeks Um, but I hope that you are blessed and that you are seeing God's hand in your daily life and that above all you keep serving the best of masters